wanted to take a second and recognize my sponsors this week. You know, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage as Edge and List Group. That's a mouthful. It is. But guess what? It's a great opportunity. You know, you can build a big Amazon business. You don't need a lot of capital when you start. I mean, we all started, you know, well, most of us started selling books. And then you move into retail arbitrage. That is the place that you can turn your money the fastest in online arbitrage. And so by having that skill set, by learning those skill sets, you can get the best bang for your buck. And so Gay's group will help you learn online arbitrage. It's it's more than just a list service. They're going to give you a whole bunch of actionable inventory every single day, right? Monday through Friday. However, there's also a mentorship that goes on. And that mentorship is so important because sometimes it's great to know what to buy, but it's more important to understand why to buy it. Yeah, it's that you know, learning to fish or just getting fed. You know, you really want to learn because ultimately you want to strike it on your own. And this is a great way to do it. So how about seven days free trial? How about a free trial? Right. Very, very cool. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash is a mouthful. The word momentum. You got to use a hyphen and you put in the word arbitrage. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum dash arbitrage. And you're going to get a free trial in Gay's group. You got to tell her I sent you, right? I'll also have the link in the episode. But it's such a great opportunity. She is amazing, amazing. I'm in that group, so you'll see me there. An amazing, amazing person who's there to answer your questions, who's there to help lead you and help guide you. And that's what Gay does. She does it every single day. The testimonials are real. Go take a look. You will be blown away. And again, it's a free trial. I have the link on this episode. Reach in. You know, Seller Labs, uh, Jeff Cohen and the team, they have blown me away with this scope project. We use this all the time for our business. We do a lot of uh, private label. We also do a lot of wholesale and wholesale bundles, you know, or multi-packs, that kind of thing, which a lot of people do. But we use um, scope to help us figure out what are the keywords. And so it's really simple. You basically figure out where you're going to sell, what you're going to sell, what category, find that like product, find the top couple sellers, and find their keywords. Boom, magic, there you go. You copy the best because it's working. And guess what? That's a proof of concept, and Scope allows you to do that. So it's sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code word momentum, and you're going to get couple days free trial and you're going to save a little bit of money and you're going to get some free keywords it's worth every penny i'm in that group come and check me out sellerlabs.com forward slash scope again use the word momentum solutions for e-commerce karen locker great 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 group i've been using them for a long time I guess it's over two years and I'm in there and I pay just like everybody else. Yes, she's a sponsor of my show, but she makes me pay and I got the same $50 discount that you can get. Oh, by the way, you're going to get that through my link and my link only. Oh, and you're also going to get the free inventory health analysis. Great way to start 2018. Get your inventory in line and Karen will help you do that. We use them for everything. I mean, basically, uh, you know, long-term storage fees coming up. Guess what? She'll evaluate, she'll make some recommendations, and I'll say, yep, check, 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 take these out, this, return, blah, 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 and magically it's done. I love it, love it, love it. I love the fact that they take and get rid of stranded inventory for me. I see it in there, and then next time I go in and it's gone. 
Love it. Love it. Love it. Got an IP infringement? She's going to help you work your way through that. This is the kind of service that you get from Karen Locker. That's solutions for the number four e-commerce solutions for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum, right? So you got to forward slash momentum and you're going to save $50 a month. 600 bucks a year by just clicking that link. She pays me. I don't want to hide that. I never do. I'm always upfront about that. But it doesn't cost you anything additional. And you're going to get that inventory health report. The only way you get that is through my link. Solutions, the number four, ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 271, Jennifer Simmers. This, uh, is a very special interview for me. Um, a, because I'm friends with her, um, and my wife and I are friends with her and we become closer over the years. But it's a story. And when I was with Jen just this past week, I said to her, I want to bring you on because I want to tell the story of resilience. And, you know, you're hearing that common theme for a lot of the successful sellers. But Jen, um, Jen got hit with some, some tough news a while back. And she came through it. And we talked after the call about, you know, that we didn't harp on it because my comment to her, and then she said, I didn't want to be defined as that, is that that is not what defines her in my eyes. Never did. It was a stage. And I think we handle it, you know, as well as I could, because, I, you know, I'm uncomfortable and I don't want to be, uh, you know, I have to try to be a little delicate, but I'm not the most delicate person. Those who know me know that. So uh, I think we get through it in a great way as a segment of your life. And I think that's what you got to do is, the challenges that come up in your life, you got to think of them as segments. They're moments in time. They can define you if you let them, but do you want to be that defined by that? Is that really that important to you, or are you deeper and are you much more than that? And there's no doubt in my mind that Jen is so much more than that. I mean, when I when she told me, you know, that she was uh, diagnosed, lead you a little bit there. Um, I knew that there's no doubt in my mind she would come out on the other side of it. There's just no doubt. When you know her, you meet somebody, you just know it. So is that the way now that I define her? Heck no. I define her as this incredibly successful business person, successful family, uh, 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 you know, uh, wife to a great husband, successful mom to great kids, successful daughter to an incredible dad, dad. Dad, you did well. I hope you hear this. Dude, I got choked up with that note. Um, so... Anyway, it's a great interview. I think this is a great, great uh, listen to as a couple type of thing. Uh, bring your spouse in and listen to this because I just think it's such a great story. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very, very, very excited about three berries. Excited about uh, someone who I'm actually be able to call a friend uh, for my wife and I. We've got to spend some time with her. I guess three, maybe four different times. Jennifer. Simmers. Welcome, Jen. Thank you, Stephen. We were just together this a few days ago at the Philly Gift Show. I look forward to it every year, um, and sometimes twice a year, because I get to see local friends, and we have become friends. And it's very, at least in my world, um, I find it easy because we have so much in common. 
to make friends in this world. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. Um, some of my best friends are in this e-commerce world. It's, um, it's a really great community, unlike any other that I've seen. And it's, how about this? Let me ask you this, because you're a mom. Mom groups used to be this way, I think. But were they ever as deep as this? No, I don't think so. Um, I never really was involved in any mom groups. I'm definitely friends with other moms, and we do talk about our kids. But this is a little bit different. This is a little more exciting. It's exciting because, I mean, you know, the kids are one thing, and don't get me wrong, I'm not downplaying that. However, you have an amazing impact on your family doing what you do, and we're going to talk about some of that. But there's not much else you can do other than going to get a job, and then, and then you add a burden to your family, right? Because now everybody's got to be out the door by a certain time. Oh, mom can't pick you up. Mom's got to work late. Mom's got to do this in addition to dad or vice versa, whichever it is. That's a huge burden. But because you've been able to choose this, or it chose you, I think, actually, um, I would argue that you absolutely are an outlier and you've been chosen. Um, I think it's a different, different type of uh, thing altogether. Exactly. I, I completely agree. I definitely think you're an outlier, so I'm going to stay with that. Okay, so I, what I love uh, about Jennifer's story is Jennifer is a story of triumph. Um, however, not an easy triumph. Um, very difficult, uh, challenging, uh, last year and change. And I want to get there, but I first want to go to the... I want to build it up because it was a great run up until that moment. Fair? It really, really was. So let's go back and start. Um, you went to school. What were you going to be? <clears throat> oh my gosh, we're going back that we're far. We're going back that far. You're not that old. You're younger than I You're way younger than I am. I got socks <laughs> older than you. <laughs> I, um, I, I went to school to, as, as a history major. Ooh. Yeah, it, it really uh, doesn't excite me to even say that right now. So. Well, what were you thinking then? I mean, cause, uh, that, you know, were you going to go into politics? Were you going to go into law? What were you going to do with a history degree? I think that I had a really good um, high school AP history teacher. So <laughs> I thought I wanted to be a history teacher, but it turns out I just liked his class. Okay, so that was cool. Did... Were your parents in any were any way entrepreneurial or even grandparents? Um, well, now that I think of it, yeah, I suppose my grandfather did uh, own his own business uh, uh, garage. He had a garage. Did that rub on you at all? I mean, when you think back now, knowing where you're at now and knowing that, I mean, to me, this is Steve on the outside looking in now, knowing you for several years, this is... I don't want to say easy. You make it look easy. I'm sure it's very difficult, just like it is for all of us. But you make it look very easy. It's like very natural for you. Do you think that that's possible, that that rubbed off on you? I think it is. And it's funny that you say this because uh, I realized that my grandmother and aunt were also entrepreneurs. I uh -oh. uh, never stopped to think about it before, but they owned a dog grooming business. And so... When you went there, they probably had joy. I mean, you know, think. let's face it, generally, most dog groomers are pretty happy people. You know, they get to, you know, enjoy the good ones. You know, I'm sure they get a vicious one every so often. But generally, they look pretty happy. They get, you know, to make something, you know, really cool. And somebody who goes picks up, like, oh, my gosh. And they love their animal. And so they get to be a part of that. 
I think that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It was actually my first job when I was 13 working for my aunt in the groom shop. And it's also a very dirty job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, there's no <laughs> chance I'm washing anybody. I wouldn't wash my own. Well, we don't have a pet anymore, but I don't like washing dogs. I'm, I must admit, <laughs> they're not licking my face. I'm kind of a germaphobe. So it freaks me out. I wouldn't do well in that environment for sure. Yeah, it wasn't some place that I wanted to stay for sure. Well, what did you, what like, did you learn though? I mean, did you learn something that you know hard work pays off? I mean, what was it? Oh, absolutely. That was something that you know my dad definitely instilled in me from a young age that hard work pays off. It's uh, a work ethic that he really passed down to his children. That's when you look back when you said, "Hey, I'm going to go to school, Dad and Mom." and I'm going to be a history major. Is there any chance that you remember that conversation? Was there satisfaction because you chose something, or was there, hmm, what are you going to do with that, Jen? Um, no, I think that, you know, I think that my dad was okay with it, and um, I don't know. He was. I mm. think he was okay with it. I think he has. he has been incredibly supportive of me. Um, and he is a really a special person in my life. I, um, I have a letter here actually that he, it just, you've made me think of this. I Uh Oh, I'm going to get you crying. You're going to get me crying. Go ahead. No, it's a very short letter. I'm choking up. He gave it to me, um, with a birthday present a couple years ago. And he said, dear Jen, as I look back over your life, you always had a resilience to excel in your endeavors. Your successful business is another example. I am very proud of you and a very proud father to have an entrepreneur in the family. Love, Dad. That's the most special letter I've ever gotten, and I keep it right beside my desk. So I I definitely have family support. That is so powerful. Um, To think about, well, let me me go here. You're a woman. And for a man... Uh, to accept that and to basically say you did it and probably he's probably a little envious sometimes of your lifestyle. Would you agree with that? Um, I don't think so. I you don't think, think so? No, I think that as a father, he wants me to do as well as I can. I really well, do. I don't mean it. I don't mean it in the envy in the negative sense. I'm sorry. I probably the wrong choice of words. Um, the proud, obviously he's proud of you. He just said it, but it's just that he's like, I didn't teach her, I didn't feed her. She knows how to fish. I mean, she completely, there's an independence as a dad. Well, you're a mom, so you know it with your kids. You want that true independence, right? You really want um, your boys to be completely, not self-reliant, but able to fend for themselves no matter what. And you did it. That's very cool as a dad. Mm. Okay. All right. Sorry. I'm getting choked up. Um, well, it's just so cool. I, uh, you know, I, I think I'm going to write my boys a note today. That's a good idea. You know what? That's a very, very good idea because that had a meaningful impact on your life. Yes, I will treasure it forever. The funny thing is, is uh, I sat down and had lunch with him about a year ago and I mentioned the letter to him and he said, what letter? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> For him, it, well, that, you know what? That makes it more real. Right. That means he didn't do it for an effect so you could quote it on this worldwide, national-wide podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's laugh that one off. So you you got this history degree, and you're going to be this teacher, and what happens? 
Well, actually, I didn't get a degree. I dropped out of college. Uh-oh. Because? I, uh, well, at the time, I would have told you that I, you know, didn't have enough money to continue forward, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, now I think I could say that there was a lot of immaturity involved in that decision, and if I had really wanted to move forward, I could have found a way to make it happen. Well, you are a resilient person, and I mean, well, we know that, and when the story, people will know it too. What was, what was it? When you look back at it, what was it? Other than immaturity, was it deep down you really knew this wasn't the right path? I did know it wasn't the right path. I just had no idea what was the right path. So that is, let me just tell you, that is a maturity. That is not an immaturity. I mean, you didn't have the tools to deal with it, for sure. Okay, that I'll give you. However, the fact that you recognize it and stopped it, rather than going through your life, going through the motions, I mean, quite frankly, it's one of the reasons that many, many people fail. Um, they take on something because they're expected to, right? And they're not designed for it. It's not, they're not wired that way. And so to me, you know, from the outside looking in, that's a mature thing to do. Again, you just didn't have the tools to deal with it, maybe the, the most mature way of dealing with it. But my son came to me, my younger son sent us a note, we were... Donna and I were, I think we were at a, uh, in Orlando at a podcast event, and we get a note, and my wife goes, oh, no. Our son wants to change schools. He made a mistake and blah, 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 blah. Long story short, um, it was hard. cost me a whole year, <laughs> real cash. However, I'm proud that he chose rather than settled. Yeah. I think it's a lesson. I mean, I just think it's a lesson, and I wouldn't beat yourself up on it. I think it's a mature thing you did. So anyway. Okay, so you were then decided to do what? Well, I uh, I waited tables for a while. I met my husband, got married. We right. had kids, and I was a stay-at-home mom. Okay, so a, a homemaker is a very, very responsible thing. Um, do you feel like, you know, and it's, I don't think I've had anybody on talk about this. Do you feel like running the household has prepared you for running your business? Oh, it can. It can. It can be a very demanding job, for sure. <laughs> well, we were in the pre-show this morning. We both walked through our role this morning, everything that went on in our lives. And I'm tired from listening to yours. You're tired from listening <laughs> to mine. I mean, it's just, that's the way life happens, right? Yes. Hmm. So now, though, uh, that's a different role, um, It's a, especially as they get older um, and they get more independent. Okay, so let's talk about how you find, I guess it would have been Poshmark first or eBay first? So Poshmark, I did dabble a bit in eBay here and there, but Poshmark was good to me. I um... Let's just make sure people understand what Poshmark is. So Poshmark mm -hmm. is a high-end, relatively high, it used to be probably more high-end, marketplace, e-commerce only, and you can sell um, as an independent sellers or do retailers actually sell on there too? I'm not familiar with it. Um, independent sellers. Okay. So okay. independent sellers sell clothing, jewelry, and shoes. Is that pretty much it? Or also Correct. accessories? Accessories also. So um, purses, I stuff like that? Exactly. Okay. And I wouldn't go so far as to call it high-end either. Um, I would say brand names do better, but you could sell any brand on that platform. Is it, has it evolved to that, or did it start off thinking they were going to be highbrow and it's evolved to what it is now, or was it just always... Because the name Poshmark sounds a little right. exclusive. 
Um, well, the idea originally behind it was a platform where it was just women's clothing, shoes, and accessories. Um, now they allow, they've evolved, they allow kids' clothes and men's clothes. But originally it was an iPhone-only app, and um, it was uh, for, for just women's clothing and accessories. How, how quickly did you, you start that in March of 2013? How mm -hmm. long has it been, was it going before you got on it? I don't think it was going for very long. I'm not okay. entirely sure. Maybe a year, maybe okay. less. So you were a very early adopter. Yes. And let's just qualify this. Jen has sold real money on Poshmark. How many followers do you currently have? I looked before this interview, 462,783. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just want to pause on that for a second. That is a <laughs> massive, massive audience. I mean, it is, you know, think about it. Um, even the best uh, YouTubers would die to have half a million subscribers, you know? I mean, it's just an enormous amount of people that see what you do. Why are they following you? Well, uh, whenever I first started, I was selling a good bit, and I got selected to be what they called back in the day a suggested user. They now call them posh ambassadors. But <laughs> there were very few of us, and when someone would newly join the platform they would automatically be following certain suggested users. So I had, when people joined, automatically following me and being able to see what I had for sale. And it was based on what you were selling? Is that kind of the way, you know, for example, like on merch, uh, certain people get, it, uh, get approved for certain things because of their history, right? Is that kind of the way Poshmark worked back then, do you think? Back then, I think it was just as simple as um, I was selling a good deal on the platform, and mm. so they chose me. Okay, so you hit a threshold, and they're like, okay, this is a mover and a shaker. And so, yeah, let's qualify. You still sell on Poshmark a little bit? A little bit. But nowhere near the scale what you did. I mean, you were a serious yeah. seller. No. Um, you know, it, my closet, they call it a closet. That's <laughs> your uh, offerings for sale. My closet has been up there. It doesn't cost anything for me to leave it up there and uh occasionally when i'm on vacation you know i take a little vacation over uh over christmas i take about three weeks off from amazon well i, I get a little bored so i'll list some things on poshmark you can't get rid of it it's a habit <laughs> i guess not <laughs> what was the most quantity of SKUs that you had on poshmark i don't know what do they call it they're not SKUs. i mean they, they'd be they look down at their nose at me right on that one uh you know i'm not sure E easily over a couple thousand. <laughs> okay, so let's just pause on that for a second. That is an enormous, enormous undertaking. How do you, as a mom raising little kids at that time, uh, handling a household, how do you handle getting thousands of listings up? And I understand it's a phone app, but still. Um, gosh, I guess I just did it. I was very motivated. I, I really wanted to just make some extra money so our family could go on amazing vacations. That was my motivation. And that was it. I mean, it was basically, you know, you, your husband a good job. You had benefits and stuff. You mm -hmm. have a nice home. You got great kids. But it would be awesome if I can contribute more. Yeah. And I love, I love that because for you, it was Poshmark. Today, it's Amazon. Um, I've seen some amazing sellers on Etsy or on, uh, well, and eBay is a great example too, right? To me, if you can figure out, well, uh, Lulu Row, there are people selling that junk, right? 
mm-hmm. if you figure out what's cool and you can contribute, it changes the relationship for you and your husband, doesn't it? You don't feel, this is this is not critical, and I mean, please don't get offended by this. You don't feel like a user, not that you ever were. It completely takes <laughs> because you are now a huge contributor. Is that fair? I, I'm not offended by that at all. Um, that's, that's a very real thing. Um, you know, both my husband and I came from families where we had a stay-at-home mom. We both have a strong appreciation for the hard work that it takes to be a stay-at-home mom. So when I say this, I I need to qualify it and say that my husband never made me feel this way. But there is, to some degree, um, you feel a little lesser when you're not the one making any money in the household. I I absolutely agree. I've always made four or five times what my wife did. And once in a while, she'll bring it up. And I'm like, but there's only one way I got to get that was because of her contributing to everything. That's what allowed me all those things, right? You know, and so, and that's what makes, you know, we're married 31 years. That's what makes it that long. So, okay. All right. So Poshmark's going well. The other thing is, where do you store thousands of pieces of clothing or jewelry? (laughs) I mean, that's some serious quantity. Um, Most of it was jewelry. A good deal of it was clothing. I had an entire closet set aside for clothing and it was all organized, either hanging or in bins. And the jewelry was um, all in little like the Tupperware drawer bins Mm -hmm. marked on the drawers what type of item was in there so no let's let's just give some professional advice here for somebody who's looking to scale up either because it works for ebay um amazon self-fulfilled or merchant fulfilled or any or etsy um so i mean did you tag your clothing in some way with an item number or something or a description and then jewelry the same thing if you could just give us some advice on that no, I really didn't. And <laughs> the trouble was that by the time it got to be enough items that I should have, it was kind of too hard to go back and do it. So, okay. So I can I can speak to this because Steve's in that boat. Um, I have 4,300 SKUs live on eBay. And uh, I don't know how many thousand on Amazon. Merchant fulfilled. And so uh, same boat. Um, and we have, I think, like three sections of our warehouse that are old old items that aren't inventoried right we so my advice is start today wherever you are no matter if you're thousands of items in start today and going forward and eventually you'll cycle past those others don't go back and fix them um but (laughs) you're gonna i mean it's always when something sells something sold this morning matter of fact in that group i'm like oh god here we go and then (laughs) i gotta go searching and then other things sold in one of my two warehouses and it was like oh there they are right where they're supposed to be and so literally you buy time by spending that little bit of organization effort up front and you don't get to a place like jen and i were at um i just can't imagine to me this is a guy's eyes Jewelry all looks the same. If it's gold, it's gold. You know, gold colored even. That all looks the same to me. How do you, is that quite frankly one of the reasons you were so successful because you have an eye for that? Oh, I'm not sure about that, but I know that sometimes I'd be checking a listing, looking at the piece. Is this the piece? And I would say that I didn't necessarily have 2,000 SKUs live at once on Poshmark, but more like maybe 600 at once, but they were still a lot. and cycling. So I mean, that's still a lot. I mean, there must have been times, though, you search through a drawer, can't find it, go down to the next drawer, can't find it, and then go back to the first drawer and finally find it, right? I mean, that had to happen. Oh, yes. <laughs> Times suck. So there's the professional advice from two unorganized at the time, people who didn't learn their lesson, 
Fix it today. Start today going forward, and then eventually you'll cycle. Because, you know, to be honest with you, that pile of stuff for us that wasn't inventoried has gotten so much smaller over the years, a common sense, right? And so it just gets easier um, over time. So, all right. Okay, so Poshmark's doing things. You're happening. Um, I do want to tell your jewelry story because it's a cool story. But oh. I want to I hear how you got to Amazon. So, um my youngest was going to be starting kindergarten soon and I was listening to podcasts to try to expose myself to different types of entrepreneurs, um, like the John Lee Dumas podcast and the Pat John Lee podcast. Dumas. Mm-hmm. I, I actually listened to him from the time he started. No kidding. Uh, yeah. I, He's I have, the one who trained me for my podcast, just so you know. Oh, no and Him kidding. and his girlfriend, I Kate. Yeah. One day, but yeah. It's a cool guy. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Cool guy. But, uh, but yes, so I was looking for something to do, and I heard Pat Flynn's podcast on with uh, Jessica LaRue. Yeah. And it just instantly clicked. I, I did not stop to think about it. I just started. What clicked, though? Was it the, <clears throat> the possibility of not looking through those bins? Is that what it was? It was the possibility of scaling. Okay. That I wouldn't have to ship directly to customer anymore. The customer service side of Poshmark, I don't, how involved is it? Do they ask a lot of questions? I would tend to think they would ask a lot of questions. Um, no, not really. They're, they're really pretty hands-off. Hmm. Um, so customers, they basically buy based on pictures. and it, Well, that might oh, mean yeah. that you put a big description in. I apologize. Yes, it's very, I'm sorry. It is very hands-on with a the customer themselves. I thought you meant the, you know, Poshmark intervening with uh, transactions. But okay. No, uh, yeah, it's very hands-on. It's it's not scalable in a real sort of way. You know, it's one of the things that I think is still missing in this industry. Somebody should do it, um, is customer service. Nobody right now, I mean, think of every industry you've ever seen or worked in. There's always a customer service angle to it. In our business right now, very, 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 very few people have someone dedicated or a team dedicated to customer service. And quite frankly, um, it's probably, you know, the difference between incredible service and okay service, right? And so if you could quantify the value of that, right, and there's a dollar amount, if that works, and you say it, we have 24-7 customer service or FAQs, whatever it would be, um, it is a miss, and it's a miss in our business too. I mean, in our lo- in our little business, Donna's and I's, um, it's just a miss because, it's overwhelming, right? I mean, trying to answer a zillion questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Amazon was very attractive um, as far as that. And, you know, I had some money. I'm, You know, I started on Poshmark by selling my maternity clothes. So I never actually invested any money outside of my maternity clothes into that business. And I started purchasing things to resell with that money. And I just kept rolling it in, um, used uh, about half of it to pay for um really nice vacation for my husband and I to go to Jamaica for our 15th wedding anniversary. And this was prior to Amazon? Well, the vacation actually happened like six months after I started Amazon, but I scheduled it at that point. Was it Poshmark money or Amazon money that got you there? It was Poshmark money. Okay, so it was Poshmark money. And I I don't want to miss this because I want to finish Poshmark with the jewelry story. I I alluded to it because it's a cool story. It was like I was sitting there listening to this. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, Just a very cool story. Go ahead. Tell that story. Well, one of our local stores um, had a stuff a jewelry bag sale. 
so I uh, and it was all um, brand new with tags items. But this is costume jewelry, right? I'll call costume jewelry, all mall brand jewelry. Um, you know, the Express and Lane Bryant and New York and Company type jewelry. And uh, you could stuff a bag for $5. And at the time, I was selling on Poshmark. And oh, my goodness, I could really stuff a bag. So I, you just had to get the bag closed. So I was a master at it. <laughs> and so a- how many pieces would fit in one? Um, depending on the size of the pieces, you know, from anywhere from like 20 to 50. Are you kidding? 50 items for $5? Exactly. 10 cent cost of goods. And so what would those average items sell for? So at the time, I was probably averaging about five bucks an item. Okay. Okay. So you got one bag, you sell one, you got your bag back. But that probably wasn't the most efficient way to run that, was it? Um. It wasn't the most efficient way overall to to make mm-hmm. money, but it worked. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very difficult to scale at five dollars, right? To get a meaningful amount of money. I mean, that is you got to sell a lot of items at five dollars to get to a meaningful number. Right. Well, people would usually bundle items together, so you would sell maybe ten items to one person, and then that's why I said the average cost of five dollars. So. Okay. Okay. And did you get to the place where um, people could? Uh, by volume? I mean, was that, is that at the end of the cycle of Poshmark, um, really, as, as Amazon ramps up? Or, I mean, is that, and do you get where I'm going with that? Well, oh, you mean what happened to all the jewelry? I still yeah. have some of it. That's the answer oh, no. to that. <laughs> you still have some. So. I still have a good deal of it. All right, um, how many pieces do you think you bought, realistically? Um, gosh, need a calculator for that. Uh, at least 35 pieces per bag and about 50 bags. So Okay, so what's that, 1,600? Something like that, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just can't imagine taking 1,600, what is it, three photos? Is that what the average recommendation is per item? Um, sometimes I only do one. Okay. It depends on the photo, yeah. I mean, I would just, I was quick and dirty, get the listings up. Machine. You were a machine. I mean, that's really... <laughs> Okay, but it shows it can be done. Um, looking back, what did it teach you? When you think about, I mean, obviously it teaches you the business model you don't want, hence the reason Amazon was so attractive to you. But what else do you think it taught you? It taught me that I had an eye for things that could sell. Hmm. A natural, I mean, it was like, it's almost like, let me ask you this. When you think today of where you are, do you think that you were always meant to do this and you're just so fortunate to find it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, just think about that, Jen. How many friends do you have that can say the same thing? Not as many as I'd like to say. Outside of this world. I mean, yes. outside of this world, very, very few love what they do. I saw you. You still have a passion for this. Oh, now, that's it. I would argue that it's accelerated because you know that life is fleeting. Yes. So let's go there and let's talk about how things are going. So you get into the Amazon Women's Conference in Seattle, correct? Oh. How did that go about? Um, well, that was, that was uh, I was invited to go to the Amazon Women's Conference. We had Which actually, was like 100 people, right? It was very few people. It was 200. But 200. Yes. It was supposed to be the top female entrepreneurs on the platform. 
Um, it was, uh, you know, it was just a really amazing year. We, uh, I had taken money out of the business for the first time up to that point. I had just, you know, I had a couple significant jumps in my business <clears throat> leading up to that point. But, um, again, what the goal being is that you're going to pay for vacations and add to the family. But at that point you really are, it's become much more than that, right? Is that fair? Yes. First, oh, it's become much more than that. I mean, 2016 really started with my very first trade show at, um, at the Philly gift show. And I, up to that point, I was very heavy into RA. Um, my favorite sourcing stores were the home goods, Marshall's and TJ Maxx. I mean, you were like scaled RA cram yeah, your but, car, can barely get in the car. RA woman. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I started by scanning and I hated scanning, hated it. I, um, started to notice that there were items that I scanned that weren't in the Amazon catalog. So mm. I would just create listings for them. Now, you know, it's funny because, uh, when we get to your private label experience, uh, you and Ellie, we, we had this conversation where, you don't launch things and it's just, mm -hmm. uh, but you clearly know all the, 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 the really important metrics. And what I say to you and, and Sean said the same thing to you, um, is that don't downplay that. I mean, that is a, the fact that you know how to do all that just is a natural thing for you. That is a talent. Let me just tell you, that is a talent. You're not faking any of it. And so, uh, you really do have, an eye for these things. So the fact that you recognize, right, your noticer, the fact that you recognize that these other things, um, and I remember, I remember going to one of these gift shows with you, and I remember you talking about a particular thing, and you're like, I think it was an animal. You're like, these animals sell, Steve. And yeah. I'm looking like, what? I mean, this is not how Steve thinks at all. I'm looking at it like, what? But you have a completely different thought pattern when it comes to this stuff. Is that a mom thing? Is that a, just a, Honestly, I think it's from being, um, you know, a consumer myself. I, you know, my thought process when I was doing the original RA was really as simple as, wow, this costs $10. I could totally sell this for 40 So even the items that weren't in the catalog, you were just like, I see value here. I can see that's worth four times the amount. I would pay that. Especially the items that weren't in the catalog. I mean, I intentionally looked for items that weren't in the catalog when I was doing retail arbitrage. But didn't you feel, well, maybe not. Maybe you didn't feel the pressure. Hey, I got to get more stuff. I got to get to the next door. I got to get more stuff. I don't have time to pause. Would you think, thinking back, is mm -hmm. the pausing that you did the reason you're having the most incredible success you're having now? The I fact that you took the time, you know what I mean? I feel like it was two significant jumps that... The first was when my husband got laid off. Okay. And he got laid off two days before we left for that Jamaican vacation. I had only been doing um, Amazon for six months. And we had, um, we had an important choice to make. We had to decide whether or not to pull the money out of that business or to reinvest it. And my husband asked me if I thought I could make something out of it. And I told him yes. So he said, I will take care of the kids. I will take care of the house, and you concentrate on making this work. Was this going to be a long-term layoff, do you think? Well, we were concerned. Um, 
you know, it took a while for him to find a job. The unemployment was going to be up in six months. And the goal was for this to be a plan B, that in six months I would be able to cover the mortgage and the bills. And thankfully, he was hired, got an excellent job um, at, at right at the six-month mark. And uh, But at that point, I had a really healthy business. And like you said, I was going from store to store to store, but I wasn't scanning. I was picking out items that I was planning to list. So I would buy three, I would buy three of this here, two of this here and buy 12 of an item. So it would be worth creating a listing for. And I wasn't really scanning at all. So this is a very powerful, powerful point. I want to pause for two things. One, my bet is the reason that your husband got that incredible job is because the, there wasn't panic because, you know, you were more than pulling your weight and he was pulling his weight now in the reverse roles. And it was a couple working together towards common goals, not working apart, not working us, not, I mean, you're working aside each other. I don't know if that's the right way I want to say it. You're really collaborating. And to me, that's very, very powerful. And then the second thing you said was you stopped scanning and you just started buying. You became a buyer. I, I, I think I said this to you, is that you could absolutely, I know I said this um, this past weekend, you would absolutely be an incredible buyer for a retail store because you have it. No, that would be a fun job. I, I, I you really I would. I for the, a retail store, just it's my retail store. Yeah, you know, well, there's another statement you made, Steve. I'm not going to put that much energy and effort in to support someone else's brand. I'm going to do it for my brand. And I was like, whoa, you served me notice right there. You're like, all right, Steve, sit back in your chair. Listen here. I was like, whoa, (laughs) that was profound. And I think it's very profound. But I want to go back to that because you were not, you stopped scanning. And I think, Mm -hmm. what do you say to somebody who who has similar traits? Um, how do you how do you take that risk? How do you I mean cuz that's a risk, Jen. I mean, the scanner is never wrong generally, right? The data is relatively good. At least it's a better decision making and it's not true, it's not perfect. But it's a better decision making thing. And for you to say that's great, I'm going with Gen scans as opposed to ScanPower, Inventory Lab, Amazon scans. I'm going Gen scanning. Um Scanning was riskier for me. I, I took a bath on a Target end cap to the point where I didn't oh. even want to go into a Target for like six months. Uh, you know, you, you, you scan, but that doesn't mean it's going to stay that price. Then you have a lot of competition. I was putting up things that I had no competition for and doing much better than anything I could scan for. Well, now, let's be fair. Not everything was successful, correct? Oh, absolutely. Not, not everything at all. Mm-hmm. But did you learn from each of them? And then you learn, I mean, it's, we're back to that, what your dad teaching you to fish as opposed to being fed. Yeah, I, I definitely learned. I learned so much um, from the retail arbitrage experience and moving into wholesale. You learn that this color sells or that animal sells, or I want to avoid this because that doesn't sell. And then every time you choose another product, you just take a sidestep and say, well, this is similar to that. Let's try this. And it's not really so much a risk as it is an, a calculated guess. Yeah, it's an education. Um, it, it's almost like um, that is where the real learning happens because you blindly scanning, if, if you do rely on a scanner only, 
you really aren't learning anything. You're learning, listen for the beep, right? I, I remember selling mm-hmm. books. This was years ago. Oh, my gosh. 2011, 2010, scanning books at those book sales. And you, all you would do is, uh, back then it was a PDA. It wasn't even, they didn't have phones that were doing it. But you'd literally have this little thing in your ear and it'd be beep, beep. And it would tell you to buy it or make a dollar sign. I forget what it was. Right, right. And that was it. That was the decision. How fast you could put it in your basket. And if it didn't, you never looked why. You never thought about it because you'd had other people scanning those things. You had to be blow through those thousands and thousands of books. I never learned a thing. That just sounds exhausting, not fun. It's exhausting. Um, the ones who still do it, I applaud them because, man, it's, it's just a lot of hard work. And uh, you're resilient if you can keep doing it. But again, I, I, I just I want to pull back and listen to this one more time. Stop scanning and start learning. Um, do you think if you had the financial, well, I guess you had the financial pressures to do that midstream. That's a pretty gutsy move. I did because, yeah, I had only been doing Amazon for six months. And then six months later, um, my husband had a job and I had a real business. <laughs> okay, so things are going well. You're cranking along. Now all of a sudden you get chosen. You're the, one of the chosen ones. I they do. put you in a pod. The spaceship comes, picks you up, <laughs> takes you to Seattle. You are now inducted. They tattoo you. You get shots or whatever, tracking devices installed. Uh, I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. So oh, I, okay. I talked about the abduction. But. All right, you can't tell anybody. <laughs> okay, so... What did you learn there? I mean, when you think about, you know, the group that was there, because I know a ton of people that went, amazing, amazing people. What did you take away from that? I took away something that uh, really was instrumental, and that is just networking with other people. Hmm. That was the absolute most important thing about that conference is that I got to meet other women who do what I do. Um, You know, I know that... um, if I had to say what was the second most significant jump in my business, and I would say it was when I finally reached out to other sellers in this mm. community, when I had I've been doing the business for, uh, you know, in a vacuum really for about a year and a half, and I couldn't really talk to anyone about it. Or you know, you can talk to people about it, but you'll spend most of your time trying to explain what it is that you do. Well, and and also when you're a scanner. You're competitive with your fellow scanners, right? Because you don't want to tell anybody your secrets, right? You, you're you're you got secret spots, and you have tech. You don't want to share that with local people, right? You can't, sure. right? Because they're sure. going to go and right. I mean, you're both feeding off the same trough, and so in this case, um, by expanding and growing, you grew significantly. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, I joined uh, a local meetup group in Pittsburgh, the Steel City e-commerce meetup group. And then yeah, in September, great group of people. Yeah, they're a nice group of people. And um, in September of that year, I joined uh, Charlene Anderson's wholesale sourcing group. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I met another seller, Ellie Lippitz, um, who's become a love Ellie. friend. And um, she has been um, so amazing in so many ways. And she encouraged me to go to the Philadelphia gift show. That's a five hour drive for me. And I'm not sure if I would have gone, but I wanted to meet her and have dinner with her. So, uh, you know, that was 2016, not all that long ago that I went to my first trade show and it absolutely changed everything for me. I want to get there um, and talk about that because we had a great experience. Again, this this is uh, the third or fourth time we were together at that show. Okay, but first, let's go. Things are rocking. 
you get back from that Amazon thing, you're pumped, everything's going great. And walk me through what's going on in your business when you get that call. So uh, when I when I got the invite to go to Amazon? Nope, 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 past that. I'm going oh, uh, when you get back. Yeah, you got the networking going. Now all of a sudden your business is going even further. When you look further out, you see nothing but success, right? There are no clouds on the horizon. It is smooth sailing. Fair? I, mean, I Yeah, I had had the most amazing um, year. You know, I went to my first trade show. I took, I started paying myself for the first time. We took the kids to Disney. We took the kids to the Turks and Caicos. Um, in fact, on the way back from the Turks and Caicos, we had a layover in Atlanta and Scott, my husband, took the kids back home to Pittsburgh and I flew directly to Seattle for the Amazon um, Women's Entrepreneur Conference. Came home and two days later went to New York for a trade show. Um, I really felt like I was very successful and you figured it out. Really happy. I, I remember uh, you just, I don't know if you just came back from the Turks and Caicos or you were going when we had met. And it was like, I mean, you were beaming. I mean, this was like, this was the coolest thing in the world. You have figured it out. Yep. And then. And, and then, then in November, right in the middle of uh, Q4, um, I got the call that um, I had breast cancer. Now, let's let's just pause for a second. You're younger than I am, and I'm 52, so you're significantly younger than I am. I'm not going to say your age, but, you know, whatever. Oh, I, don't, um, I was diagnosed at age 39. That's not something you expect. No. I mean, and at 39, young kids, successful marriage, now an incredibly successful business, no clouds on the horizon. You get what is a showstopper. I mean, it is a life stopper. It is, you know, I, I said this to you. You know, how do you not curl up in the corner and suck your thumb? And your comment was, well, Steve, sometimes I did. But, right. but how, do you, how do you not just, you know, collapse? Um, and that says something about you and your family um, that you don't. I mean, that's a resilient. Again, this is your dad's note to you yep. all over again. And he wrote that way before then, right? Oh, yes, way before then. When you think about that, I mean, I would, that's where I go with that letter. I'm like, ooh, it's like he's almost like a visionary. Like he knew. Ooh, I get the chills. Yeah. I mean, well, later on in my journey, <clears throat> you know, my dad is also a cancer survivor. Mm. And, uh, you know, he took me to some of my chemotherapy appointments. So, how about that? Going through it yourself and then taking your daughter. His baby. He didn't yeah. want to take his baby. Oh, well. Oh. Okay, so you get this call. Does, you know, when I told you I wanted to have you on, what I was hoping to have uh, come out in the story is the value of having this business and what it was able to do for you to get through this. Because I think there, you know, there are others that don't have the luxury of having the ability to set their hours, and that's a plus and a minus, right? Because that means sometimes you got to work when you don't want to, right? But the flexibility, the freedom that you have um, where you can just say, you know, I'm not going to work today. I don't have to answer. I don't have to worry about FMLA and all the rest of that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. That's the negative uh, also is that you don't get those checks. So, I mean, I, I know there's a trade-off. But from a health point of view, would you credit this 
I mean, of course, a loving family and incredible support, but but this type of business, this freedom, this energy that you still get from this today as part of your healing process? Definitely. Absolutely. Um, the fact that I was still able to, not not a lot, but I was still able to work through it on my own, on my own terms, on my own times, um, I was able to learn a lot about outsourcing, about things that maybe didn't need done in both my business mm-hmm. and my personal life and focusing on what was most important. When you think about what was most important, I mean, now versus what was uh, then, it's amazing how, and this is really not a criticism because I'm this guy, how selfish you were. Like, oh, you know, how dare that person turn in front of me? How dare, you know, I mean, who I am, you know, and this, uh, and I was just parking lots, you know, or whatever. How, oh, now that just blows off your back, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. All of it. I mean, I feel like it blew off my back before, too. Um, but, you know, there's just a certain life seems a little more fragile than it did before. At 39, you certainly don't expect to be in a situation where you have to have your spouse take care of you, that you're unable to take care of yourself. Um, you know, that's something that my husband and I have gone through that maybe is before our time. Um, very similar to having a baby. I think that having a baby can make a strong marriage stronger and make a weak marriage fall apart. And it definitely made, this made our marriage stronger, but it is hard to be that person taking care of somebody. And it's hard to be that person that gets taken care of. Especially at such a, well, you're so independent, so strong, and now all of a sudden you had to completely rely on others. That's a very, very humbling thing. Very humbling. Hmm. So coming through the other side of it now, are we cancer-free? I am. I am officially cancer-free. I had 16 rounds of chemotherapy, um, surgery, and 30 rounds of radiation. Hmm. Um, I finished up in September. I was officially cancer free. Now it is cancer. So those, you know, there's no guarantee that it won't come back, but, um, I am officially cancer free and they say that my prognosis is very good that it won't come back. So, and you got this Joan Jett rocking hair going on right now. Oh my goodness. My hair is crazy. It's grown back curly and wild. <laughs> like Jen. Um, so, <laughs> so thinking about, I mean, what can you do with this? I mean, have you thought about I mean, I don't, you don't have any obligation, so Steve's not make, putting pressure on you. Please don't take it that way. But can you do something with this? The fact that, A, you were so young, you got through it, right? And you're a survivor, now a second-generation survivor. Uh, the fact that you're a independent, successful business owner, a woman business owner who's blowing many men away, the fact that you've been able to have a successful marriage through it and become out stronger, is there something you can do with this? Have you thought about it? I'm not quite sure. That's a good question. You know, I really just finished my treatment in September. Right. So I'm only months out from uh, from being a cancer patient. And I'm sort of mentally transitioning to that I'm a cancer survivor now. Hmm. You know, one of the things I noticed, um, I think, this is Steve's observation now, knowing I think it's been two plus years uh, at these events, seeing you were very, very timid and shy then. You're not so shy and timid anymore, Jen. Have you noticed that? Oh, 
I don't know. I'm no, I'm not in an aggressive way. Not in an aggressive way, but you're definitely more comfortable in your skin. Let me say it that way. That's probably true, yes. And that, do you feel like, again, that's a competitive, I mean, there was a confidence of you at this last show where you were like, oh, I can take that and do this and blah, 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 blah. There was no question. It was, there was certainty in your voice and, and the way you described things. I definitely feel, you know, you feel more and more certain and more and more comfortable as you go to the shows. Um, I was never particularly intimidated by trade shows. I wish I would have started going sooner. Um, I remember, I remember what I was thinking the first time I walked into my first trade show. Um, just walk in and it was at that, that Philly gift show. Looked around and, and I was thinking, this is the best Marshalls ever. <laughs> It's true. A lot of the stuff is in Marshalls, isn't it? Well, it wasn't just about that. It was that instead of running around to to find 12 of a product to make it worth listing, I could order as many as I want and have them delivered directly to my house. And And, and each one's like a department, right? So you can do 12 in this department, 12 in this department. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that trade show was full of stuff not listed on Amazon. It was like a magical fairyland. And it still is. And, and that's a little trade show relative to the Atlanta gift show. I oh, mean, it's definitely. dinky. I mean, Atlanta, I think, is 10 times the size. It's a very small trade show relative to most. But I, and my advice to people, and I, I've met a million people there, is you go to these. Then it's not so intimidating because Atlanta is intimidating. Or go to the Javits. Oh, my God. Five floors. Javits is huge, yeah. Thousands of vendors. It's overwhelming, you know. And so by going to these smaller ones, you, you do get a better perspective. I think it's very healthy um, on the smaller one. Let's talk about what else you get from a gift show. Um, you typically, if unless they're a distributor, um, you get to meet the manufacturer or a rep of the manufacturer. So you immediately can start a relationship at these events. Do you agree? Agree. Yeah. And a relationship can make a huge difference. Well, let's talk about some of the relationships you've had. You've had some success from companies that you bought with. And when they come out with a new product or a new line, they're like, hey, Jen, would you be interested in this? Yes. they, They call me. They let me know. You know, I walk through the trade show. It's always, you know, there's a sales rep. You get a hug. There's a sales rep. Oh, hey, have you seen this new line? And it's it's a mutually beneficial relationship because they want to sell their product and I want to find good products to purchase. But in your case, it's a little deeper in some cases. You know, Ellie tells me the story that, you know, many of these manufacturers kept in touch with you through your whole cancer treatment um, and recovery. I mean, that's, that's rare. Now think about that. I mean, do you, I know you know how special that is, but that's a pretty amazing thing. That's a depth of relationship now. Yeah, no, um, I really had, uh, I don't know. I've had a lot of special people in my life and, uh, just, uh, good people that you want to continue to work with. You know, one of the other topics came up as we were talking about private label, and you had a lot of success bringing private label products. It's really where you're headed, right? I mean, you do wholesale and stuff, but but you're you're really headed on the private label. And one of the conversations we got talking about one of your vendors and pricing and stuff, and you were saying, "No, I need to make sure she makes money, yes. no matter what." That isn't all for Jen. That's an all for my team, and they are a pretty big piece of your team, aren't they? 
They're a big piece of my team. And uh, I think the question was, well, you're doing so much volume now. Have you talked about getting better pricing? That was probably Steve being the and, controller that he is. Yeah. Well, it's a good question. But, you know, my answer to that was that I want her to be happy with this relationship. And I'm making money at our price point right now. You know, I always think about the Walmart stories of people going to Bentonville and they tell the stories that they beat them down on price and they would force you as a, you know, manufacturer to go back to your suppliers and get them to lower the price. So therefore you can offer a lower price and therefore Walmart can make, you know, could sell it at a lower price. Mm-hmm. And that worked for a while, but that doesn't seem to be working anymore um, because the relationship, right? They just, it's not a, it's not a win-win relationship in any way. Right. Everybody has to everybody must swallow uh, some so we can sell this. Well, no. Why don't we improve the quality? Why don't we keep the consist? And then they cut back, you know, the 12 ounces becomes 10 ounces. Right. Or the container, you know, all the little things. That's a race to zero. What you're saying is, no, I'm going to make sure they do a great job because they're paid fairly. I'm going to make sure that we can work together. You're looking long game, long term there. Oh, absolutely. That particular private label item I plan to uh, build out this year. So I, I, I never, you know, you had spoke briefly before about how I didn't launch my item, which I didn't do right. launch. All organic. I wrote a good listing and I got, you know, all organic. I have almost 50 reviews on it. Um, so by the way, organic, it's about 1%. So I sold about 5,000 units of that. And um, I have 50 reviews on it. And I've noticed the same for um, customer feedback on, you know, on the uh, personal feedback. I get about 1% of my um, sales or people will leave a feedback because I don't use any um, feedback assistant or anything like that. And and so you created the titles, you do the keyword stuff. You take very you – know, photos are a huge portion. And the other thing you said was packaging is very important. Um, is that important no matter what category you're selling in, or is it really kind of specific, you know, for let's go to jewelry, if you were selling jewelry, for example. You know, is that really part of it? It depends if the packaging is um, part of what you would have in the photograph in the listing. So give me an example. Um, so, so if you're selling – Jewelry might not have. Um, the jewelry box in the listing, it might not be so important. You might just have the piece of jewelry there. But, you know, I'm trying to think of an example. Of well, but jewelry would be important for me for Valentine's Day. Um, you know, if I'm buying my wife a gift, I'd want to make sure that it came in a great box and a great package. So that would be, maybe that's a, a seasonal way of looking at it, but that would be important to me. That's a great point, too. So I guess it would depend on whether or not you're um, showcasing the packaging in the Amazon listing. You know, okay. I'm always looking at the perceived customer value. So I want to see what can I buy it for, what can I retail it for, and what is the perceived customer value. And packaging can add so much to that. So if I buy it for 5 I want to be able to sell it for 15 and I want the customer to think it's worth 20 Hmm. There's a pro tip. So the perceived value. Um, when you look at competitors, and don't get specific, but when you look at competitors, do you look at a listing, you know, so you found a product, it's not on there, but there are, you know, I can't imagine that there's a product yet that's not in some form on Amazon by right. somebody else, not that same manufacturer, right? Somebody else. Right. When you look at that, what do you look for, um, 
that I mean, because you have to add value. Otherwise, it's just price, right? If all things being equal, it's price, period. So when you're looking at what you can do, give us some tips on what people can do to show that they can do it better. Um, sometimes you can make the product itself better by enhanced packaging or improving upon something on the product. But sometimes it's as simple as the listing. If you have a better listing, better photography, colors that photograph better, and um, having very strong keywords in your title and back end without keyword stuffing. That's never done me any good. Well, you know, I, I think about the example. Um, uh, Ellie was showing me a picture of some jewelry that she had up there. And there was the minute I saw it, I'm like, oh, man, look at that beautiful flower in the vase over to the side. It was this gorgeous red color or whatever. Oh, yes. She yes. goes, that's a Jen thing. Jen said, I need to add that in there because it's otherwise it's just this piece of gold jewelry. It looks like every other. I mean, this is a pro tip. It looks like every other gold jewelry piece out there. And so on Amazon, you're not allowed to do that, but you still can do it through lifestyle photos when you can see that mm -hmm. that it really gave perspective. That red color in that vase really told me that this is this piece of jewelry is for a special event. That's what I saw on it. Is that what your goal was? Is that what the advice was? Yeah, absolutely. And on Amazon, your first photo has to be, you know, there's certain specifications you can hit. But you can have lifestyle photos. You can show your product in use. You can kind of do what I call a beauty shot. So I, I do like to add Ooh. those to my listings. So that's a pro tip there. So it's Jen's beauty shot. That's the, that's the term for the – because it gives you perspective, right? You want to see – back to that jewelry. You want to see that it's an event type of jewelry. It's going to fulfill that dinner. It's going to take you all the way through it. Mm, love it. Okay, so – we now have uh, seen Jen go through some tough, tough, challenging times, come out on the other end, sounds a little stronger, a little wiser, um, more focused. Is that is that fair? I mean, you were focused at that this last gift show. I mean, you had, boom, I had goals. You weren't wandering around aimlessly. You had specific yes. things to accomplish. Yes. No, I'm, I am goal building. I, I specifically want to... Uh, uh, double what I've done with my uh, current private label product, the one that's really successful, and uh, take uh, take some lessons from people who are doing things very well in the private label world and apply them to my already organically successful product and see how that goes. So let's do this. Let's close with, um, well, first let me say, if somebody has a follow-up question, can I put your Facebook contact out there? Yes, you can absolutely put my Facebook contact out there. Um, uh, add, uh, send me a message because I don't generally accept friend requests from people I don't know. So just send me a message saying you heard me on uh, Stephen's podcast, and I'm happy to connect with anyone in this space. Yeah, and a great Poshmark expert here too. I mean, really has scale. I mean, she's got a half a million followers, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> well, what I want to do is I want to close with um, – what you would suggest to somebody to, that's stuck, right? I mean, because, and maybe you're speaking to women only. Maybe you're speaking to women who are, have challenges in their life. Um, may, maybe, maybe not. I mean, maybe you can speak to guys too. But it's just, I want to make sure that they see that, you know, this isn't easy by any means, but it is doable. Do you get what I mean? Right. So give us what you would help somebody get unstuck, because you see people that are stuck. Um, what would you advise them? 
To get unstuck, I would say, ask yourself this, can I afford to lose $100? If you can, then allow yourself to be able to lose that. Allow yourself to make that purchase and to try something. Allow yourself to fail. Um, not all the products I bring to market are successful. Failure, I don't even like to use that word, but you know, products that I don't reorder are a large part um, of my inventory. I would say the, get organized too. Hmm. <clears throat> I, I, I have, I have um, a lot of different binders and I like to use one for inventory invoices. I get like a four inch binder every year. Maybe this doesn't help people get unstuck, but sometimes when you're organized, no, I think it's, it's I think part of it is they're <clears throat> they're mired down in it. So I think absolutely getting organized would help somebody get unstuck. But yeah, I mean, I have this these great big binders. You know, it's titled 2017 inventory um, invoices, and there's tabs inside for each of my vendors. I use a three-hole punch, and I file them under the vendor. And I reference these binders almost daily. They help me know what I need to order. They help me remember what things cost or what was that vendor from last year. And I do the same if you're you know if you're at that next level and you're you're looking to outsource your prep. Um, I do the same with uh, binders and inventory prep sheets for um, my prep people. So I create prep instruction sheets. I take pictures of the item and pictures of each step of the prep, put them into a Word doc with any written instructions, and then put the FN SKU sticker onto that sheet. Those go into plastic sleeves, and I give them to my prep people to put in their binders that they keep. So. So they're always done to the standard that you want. And if you change the standard or if Amazon changes its standards, right, you just modify that and then it just gets done. You know, we we didn't get into it and I'm not going to get into it, but I'm going to lead you there is that you have local prep people that you've developed over time. And so when you come back next time, we're going to talk about that. How about that? Ooh, that's a dangler, isn't it? All right. Great. That sounds great, Stephen. Jen, I am so, uh, A, I'm so fortunate to be able to call you a friend. My wife and I cherish you um, and Ellie. I mean, we just really do. And, you. you know, I, I you know, it, you're very inspiring. Um, you know, you really are because your attitude is just incredible. Um, and, you know, your family, your marriage, all that stuff is so important. And I just love to see it. I love the story of getting through this with this e-commerce business. I, I honestly believe that it is so important to love what you do, and there's no doubt in my mind, and that's why you're so successful at it. I wish you nothing but success. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stephen. So I made it through, and yes, I did get choked up. I'm not embarrassed to admit that, because when you know somebody um, and you saw some of the struggles, it, it really helps... Uh, it brings it home, let me say it that way. And so um, I hope you got something from this. I mean, this is a very, very smart person who really, really doesn't understand how gifted she is in what she's doing. It just comes natural to her, uh, way more natural than it does to come to me. I think my wife is similar to her in some ways, um, and I need to make sure we keep keep that in perspective and keep that. Um, it's just so important to recognize your skill sets. And so um, I think very cool lady and just an amazing story. Um, EcommerceMomentum.com. Hey, don't forget my sponsors. Um, you know, Andy's course is going to close. Uh, again, I will prep for you for free for that one shipment, your initial one, so you can work on 
your business and getting that launch done. Very, very important. Getting that right, getting all those details. I'll take care of the other side. More information, just send me a note about it. And I'll give you all the, the particulars because there are some particulars. But generally speaking, you send it to my warehouse and we'll take care of it for you. We'll become part of your team in that way. Just once, not looking long term, but once. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.